Before we get started, I'd just like to tell you about some recent changes we've made to our Patreon. We now have a Discord server that's exclusive for our Level Up and Queenship members. So if you'd like to chat directly with the hosts of this podcast and make friends with other like-minded queens, sign up for our Patreon and select either the Level Up or Queenship tier. As always, Patreon members have access to weekly bonus content on Fridays. And this past week, we talked about the recent subreddit shutdown and gave our members the inside scoop on what's been going on with the subreddit moderators and podcast hosts. Thanks for listening, queens, and on to the show. And today we've got a triple whammy for our roast to scroat. Triple stack roast to scroat today from Jay. And she wants to start by saying... Uh, so I just wanted to start out by saying I'm so thankful for what you guys do. Um, I've always had FDS aligned values and just felt so alone before I found the sub. Um, like thanks to a scroty complaint post on another sub. Hashtag die mad. This was a few years ago now and I've been uh, going back ever since. And I really don't know what I would have uh, done without you guys. You've helped me to stand firm in my boundaries and completely validated everything I've felt or for years. I absolutely love you and the entire community, and I'm just uh, so glad to see it continue to grow and help other women. Oh, thank you, Jay. So, on to the actual roasting. Scrote number one. Um, I met Chad when I was around 19, and he was 25. Oh, no. His name is Chad? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Already we're done. Okay, okay. Just roasting you for having the name Chad. Uh, Chad really liked to smoke weed and he was into snowboarding. Of course he did. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Of course he did. And he was also really great with his finances. (laughs) Stingy bastard. For example, he liked going 50-50 and he once went several weeks without deodorant because he wanted to save money. And he snowboards? Ew. What a dirty little screw. Ew. How much is deodorant in the US? Like, how much is it, like, bro? Like $5 per thing? 99 cents. (laughs) Really? I mean, it depends on the quality, but you can definitely find, like, dollar store deodorant. So he's got the money to smoke weed, but he hasn't got the money to get deodorant. Right. This just doesn't compute. Yeah, if you can't afford deodorant, you shouldn't be smoking weed. Uh, So it continues. And I remained with Chad for nearly four years. I know, until the week before my final undergraduate exams, when he decided to come clean about some cheating. Oh, no. What a piece of shit. He was pretty resentful of my success, and I'm pretty sure he timed it that way just to throw me off. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I was like, that seems like a very convenient time. Why do they do that? It seems like a very conveniently inconvenient time to announce that. It ended up being my best semester regardless. Uh, so suck it, Chad. <laughs> Good. So I just I just wanted to know, I just wanted you guys to know, I looked up um, how much a, a three-pack of deodorant costs on Walmart, and it's $5 for a three. Yeah, I guess $5. The price the price yeah. is right. I won. For, no, for three of them. <laughs> Not just one, for three. For three of them, yeah. Cool. Um, anyways, I promptly dumped him and blocked him everywhere, which apparently he was not expecting, as Chad was very delusional. Uh, so he made new accounts across uh, multiple different platforms to message me, and at one point he even used a new number to say he had written me a song. But I refused to meet him or answer his video call. <laughs> so what I ended up getting was a giant run-on sentence with about 500 words uh, worth of lyrics before I blocked him again. I had a guy write me a poem one time. 
and I told <laughs> I was really bad. And I was like, nothing makes my pussy drier than bad poetry. <laughs> the guy fucking cried. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we all laughed together. <laughs> but I'm a bad person, so anyways. <laughs> make you guys cry (laughs) i'm a man-eater i'm proud of it (laughs) about a year ago chad tried contacting me again with a new email he had made i couldn't believe it but i ignored it for a few days until i decided to reply um as an aside uh the band uh, rage against the machine was meant to play in my hometown the next year but floor tickets were super expensive around 400 dollars each that being said, they were less expensive than Chad was dumb. <laughs> I, think I, can see where this is, I think I can see where this is going. I mean, that doesn't seem like it's hard, to be fair. <laughs> so. Anyways, I basically just played along with what he was saying. I, I sprinkled in like 60 heart emojis and then suggested that we go to this concert together to rekindle our relationship. And the dumbass bought it. I used my credit card to make sure they were sent to my email and had him e-transfer me $800. And then I blocked him and sent my girlfriend a message saying we'd be going to rage. Hashtag boy bye. Queen shit. <laughs> Sorry, I love that. I absolutely love that. I'm not mad whatsoever. Yeah, a, a lot of people are probably going to be like, oh my God, that's a scam. You, That's grift. That's like, oh my God, you ripped him off. I'm like, you know what? Men deserve to be scammed. Men deserve to well, be no, robbed. But, but but the thing is, this is a payment for harassment. She told him to leave her alone. He didn't listen. So yeah, I call it the patriarchy tax. <laughs> the asshole tax. <laughs> the asshole tax. Yeah. The asshole tax. First of all, he cheated. Then he waited to tell her at a particularly important time in her life to devastate her. And then when she broke up with him, he harassed her. Yeah, he had it coming. He was asking for it. If he didn't want to get scammed, he shouldn't have been a dickhead about it. So, on to scrote number two with Jay. Uh, so, she says, so shortly after dumping Chad, I ended up with Rebound, uh called Justin because he was just as douchey as Chad. I was going to talk to my friend Justin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chad. Yeah. <laughs> our, pr- our prime minister's name is Justin. Can you imagine if, if a country, like a leader of a country's name was Chad? Oh my god. Imagine like a president of the United States, Chad. Bro, I was out snowboarding with my homie Justin. (laughs) (laughs) Chad is a musician and he has totally sick lyrics. He's really gonna blow up, bro. Yeah. Did you go to that rage concert? Oh my god. Yeah. (laughs) That's what it's giving. Yeah. I heard rage was coming in town, so I'm going to hit up my ex-girlfriend because I know she's totally hot for me. And <laughs> This is Rose's great featuring Chad, by the way. Featuring Chad voice. Uh, so she continues, uh, Justin had a man bun. Of course oh, he did. Oh, of course no. he did. <laughs> and he thought monogamy was really, really oppressive. Of course he did. <laughs> 
we also found that labels were also oppressive. I just find labels like really oppressive to my man bun. These are the same guys who think that like women's boundaries or standards are oppressive to men. Yeah. Fuck those guys. I just feel like my man bun isn't as luxurious if I'm in a monogamous relationship. <laughs> Justin thought he was a very good boy because he was woke and also a sex positive feminist. Oh, oh no. no. He, also, <laughs> he was also very in touch with his emotions, uh, which is apparently just another way of saying he liked to monologue at women. Also, he was depressed, refused to go to therapy, and refused to communicate over anything other than Snapchat. I know, I was so stupid. Forgive me. Snapchat communication is at minimum a yellow flag. Yeah. yeah. In men, when men do it. When a man asks a woman to communicate via Snapchat, that's a red flag. So if he's depressed, I don't know if I should have came up with a more slightly, a slightly more depressed Chad voice. Oh, that sounds pretty depressed. I find monogamy really <laughs> oppressive to women. <laughs> I consider myself a sex-positive feminist. Okay, these guys who are in touch with their emotions, these oh-so-sensitive guys who monologue at women, most of them are just covert narcissists. And I honestly would prefer a stoic guy who can't talk about feelings. I would prefer that guy over... I would prefer that over someone who's straight-up emotionally manipulative, right? (laughs) I'd rather date a guy who doesn't talk about his feelings at all than talk to a guy who talks about his feelings in a way to like force me to feel pity for him because he's a fucking sociopath and wants to exploit my empathy a few months had passed and quite frankly i was getting sick of his man bun wearing but label avoided shit Uh, we were meant to be going for a weekend away in a really remote part of the country and on the way there he made me drive around for an hour because he wanted to get food from an independent restaurant but we couldn't find one that was open This caused him to become really upset and essentially led to about an hour and a half of intense sulking uh, with an attitude compounded by the fact that he had gotten in a fight with his mum, who he lived with that morning. Aww, what a poor baby! I spit out my drink. He's sad because he got in a fight with his mum whose basement he lives in. Was he built nice? Because maybe he lived with his mum because all he does is go to the gym. I hate men like that, honestly. I've dated men like that. They're like, I live with my mom and she cooks me everything and I just spend like four hours a day at the gym. That's a Chad move. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways, I decided this was just too much bullshit for somebody who wasn't even a proper boyfriend. Um, I smiled and nodded to all his nonsense, told him I wanted to stop to get some gas, pulled into a station about 300 kilometers away from anything else, then then suggested he go inside to get some snacks blocked him yeah she's good at teaching men lessons i like that yeah she understood the assignment this is very machiavellian but i'm sort of like i'm i'm loving it loving it i've said this before men don't understand communication the only language they speak is consequences so yeah so uh another one bites the dust and i think the only way out of that mess for him involved like a two thousand dollar cab ride which quite frankly warms my heart that's now Justin and Chad in the dust. Yeah, so two, two men down. <laughs> yeah, we're like two-fifths of the way through a, a boy band. I spent a few years finishing another degree and working on myself and getting a scholarship to do a PhD in the UK. Hi, Savannah. Hi. <laughs> 
Uh, before I got there, the university I was going to had made a page for a new students to connect. And that's where I met Jamie. Oh, God. Is Jamie a red flag name in the UK or something? Yeah. Oh. Justin, Jamie, and Chad. Justin, Jamie, and Chad. Yeah, okay. He said Jamie had basic social skills, which really made him stand out from the crowd. Unlike most men who are socially incompetent. That's about where his positive qualities stopped, though. He was also depressed, really liked Jordan Peterson. He was fresh out of a relationship and not ready for anything serious. Anyway, when I got to the UK, we met and went to some events uh, where we made a few new friends to hang out with. Um, Just like I, at the very least, had the good sense to see early on how much of a low-value train wreck he was and resolved to not see him as a romantic prospect. I sort of feel bad for this uh, for Jay now because the thing is, right, and this is like my thirst trapping coming out here, but like international students to the UK are always really hot. Like I used to, I had a job like welcoming international students. And I swear the only reason why I did that job was because I it would be like a room full of just like high candy like the french engineers are my favorite because they were always the hottest and the smartest closely followed by the dutch ones but yeah i would always go and just be like super super thirsty so i kind of feel bad that she missed out on all this because she clearly connected with jamie before she came yeah why are foreign exchange students so hot like in my high school we had we had a few foreign exchange students from uh i think it was like germany and like sweden and stuff uh and they were super tall and super attractive, um, but because they dressed well and put effort into their appearance, uh, all the like local boys who wore fucking basketball shorts and like UFC flat brim ball caps would call the foreign exchange students metrosexual. Like they basically thought it was like gay to shower and shave every day. Yeah, they were jealous. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you have to have money usually to do foreign exchange things and? In- high school or in college generally speaking yeah yeah so that's probably why yeah but they were just they were just oh they were so attractive like i used to do that twice a year and i used to look forward to it every single time they come fitted up and fresh to death nice eye candy Anyway, so she continues. A few weeks later, I was hosting a board game snacks night at my flat. And when everyone was getting ready to go, he offered to stay and help me clean up in quotation marks. Uh, So I naively let him. So of course, a few minutes later, I've got this scrote trying to kiss me. And then I sort of leaned back until he opened his eyes and realized what was going on. The next few minutes were pretty awkward. I couldn't really leave because we were in my flat and he just sort of stood there. Then he asked if I wanted to talk about it and asked why I didn't like him in quotation marks because he thought we got along really well. I sort of said and gestured a bit um, and gestured broadly at all of him. Eventually he left. I mean, usually you would just ask a girl out on a date or something. You don't just try to plaster your lips on hers yeah gosh oh right i just feel like there's no there's no build-up and when men do stuff like that it i don't know if they think it's romantic in their head this is why in some respects i feel like they get this idea from hollywood that just like surprise makeouts are always hot for women yeah because women in hollywood you think about all the indiana jones movies you know the woman's like fighting with him and then he kisses her to make her shut up and she responds positively to it you know, men watch that kind of stuff and think, oh, if I try that, then men will, then women will respond positively to that. No, like, fuck that. 
That's borderline sexual assault. They tend to make a spontaneous sexual combustion more realistic than it really is, especially with no warm up or warning. Yeah. It's probably and generally usually better, you know, ask her if she wants to hang out mm-hmm. with you. Free tip there, guys. Free dating tip. And so I was meant to host a pancake party the next weekend. Uh, which is exactly what it sounds like. Invite a load of people over and make pancakes, uh, basically an excuse to drink maple syrup. And he knew about it. Oh, this is totally a Canadian Patreon subscriber. <laughs> yeah, this is one of yours. It's one of yours, Lilith. Is this what is this what you Canadians do? Do you just sit around drinking maple syrup yeah, for fun? Yeah, that's a Canadian hobby. We take shots. We just, <laughs> we, we take our shots of whiskey and then chase it with maple syrup. Is that true? <laughs> No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm not judging. Maple syrup is delicious. No, leave leave that in. Americans now think that Canadians take shots of maple syrup as chaser for our whiskey. Hey, weirder things have happened. Yeah, we also live in igloos and live off of moose meat. And um, <laughs> moose meat. You know, when we get into arguments with sociopaths, we push them off the ice flows in the middle of winter. Makes sense. I always suspected. That the way that we deal with rapists in Canada is by taking them to an ice flow in the middle of winter and pushing them off when nobody is looking. Just kidding. Some guy on sk- ice skates. Leave him for the polar bears. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So back to the pancakes. Maple syrup. It turns out he still wanted to come to the pancake night, which I suspect was because there'd be other women there. But anyways, a few days before, I was in Poundland waiting in line to get some measuring cups and thinking about how I could possibly make the slex awkward when something caught my eye. It was the card stand. Uh, My brain thought that humour would be a great way to fix this whole mess. So a few days later, when I saw him in person, um, I gave him a sincerest condolences card uh, from Poundland just after I had rejected him in front of everyone. It was hilarious. Um, it wasn't hilarious for him, but definitely for the rest of us. Um, I like to think I was avenging all the women he slept with and then ghosted. He blocked me after that, but then um, <laughs> but then um, blocked me a few months later. They always reappear to say Merry Christmas and ask if I wanted to try being friends again. <laughs> I then sent him a screenshot of a welcome back card and never heard from him again. Triple scrape raced concluded. She already kind of really uh, hurt all these guys' feelings more than we can in this small little <laughs> Yeah, so this is almost a queen shit. This isn't even a roast girl. This is just queen shit. So thanks for that triple stack roast, Jay. If you want to submit your own roast skirt, then subscribe to our Patreon, www.patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. And we will happily barbecue your skirt to your liking. Let's start the show. What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Ro. And this is Savannah. And I'm Lilith. Okay, so today's episode is a bit of a follow-up from an episode we did a few weeks ago called How to Level Up Your Pick Me Friends. One of the ideas that we ended that episode on was the idea that if you level up your pick me friends, your friends might decide to spend more time with other friends or invest less in that relationship. And you might also have friends that are too toxic to remain friends with. And therefore, you might find yourself friendless. 
not even just because of this, but sometimes people move and there's a lot of different life circumstances in which people end up without friends. So, so we had some people request that, Hey, can you talk about how to meet new friends if you find yourself friendless? Um, so Savannah, Lilith, and I all had different ideas about that that we were going to discuss in this episode. We're going to talk through the three essential phases of making friendships, which is one, how to meet people, two, how to break the ice, and three, how to follow up and maintain the friendship. And we'll discuss some of the challenges that people with different personality types face, like if you're an introvert versus an extrovert. Uh, So I'll kick off, um, and I'm quite an introverted person. I like being by myself. I'm like being around people can drain me quite a bit. Um, but when I'm in social situations, I can hide that quite well. Um, but generally speaking, um, I mean, I would classify myself as an introvert. I've had people say when they first met me, Oh, I didn't know you could even speak at all. I just thought you were mute because I'm just so quiet. I can be very, very quiet and shy. Um, so, I mean, one thing I would like to say though is if you are an introvert, unfortunately, there is really no way around making new friends apart from putting yourself out there. It's incredibly difficult and challenging if you're not really a social butterfly or if, you know, socialising doesn't come naturally to you as it does to some people. But that's really the only way you can, you know, truly meet new people um, just on your wavelength is just to put yourself out there. And the thing is, like, most people are looking to make friends. I think that once you leave um, either school or college or university, it becomes exponentially more difficult, um, I mean, to even maintain the friendships that you've got, talk less of, like, making new friends as well. Um, I think we realise that we are only friends with a lot of people just because we see them around all the time. So, you know, once you're in a position where you don't see your friends every single day, it it then becomes a lot more effort to maintain those friendships. Just to piggyback on what Savannah said, I see on the subreddit a lot women saying, oh, I'm an introvert, that's why I struggle to make friends, or I'm an introvert, that's why I don't have many friends. And I just want to tell women, every time I talk to a woman who says something like that, I want to just almost like shake her and be like, girl, you need to have friends. Like, even if you're an introvert, you have to go out there and make friends because you don't ever want to be in a situation where you're isolated or you're alone or you don't have anyone to, any woman in your life to rely on. I find women who are introverted are so much more vulnerable to predatory men because, in my experience anyways, I've met women who are introverted. They find a man who really, for whatever reason, they really like him and then they go off with him and he's like their one and only friend like he's there he's the only person they regularly interact with or are vulnerable with and so on and that can create a very dangerous situation if that man later turns out to be low value or even abusive so that's why it's important to have a network of women friends who will have your back if you're ever in that kind of situation yeah you don't want to put yourself in a position where you're easy to isolate so that's like that that's the preamble of why this is important yeah. And also if you just want to live a good life, I mean, yeah, so often, yeah <laughs> just have a high value life. Yeah. Yeah. Just having people around that um, you can resonate with who are interested in what you've got going on and you're invested in their life is just, you know, a part of us being social creatures. So um, the first topic we wanted to cover was where to actually meet new friends. Savannah, where do you like to meet friends as an introvert? Okay, so what's worked for me is uh, volunteering. Um, All of my 
actually majority of uh, my high value friends I met during university when we were all volunteering on 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 the same cause essentially and you know what's good about volunteering is that if you're somebody who initially struggles to make conversation with people it's really good because you have something to talk about um, because you're all there for the same reason um, and I think, I mean, it isn't always foolproof because there are people who do volunteer for the wrong reasons, but, um, people who volunteer, um, they tend to be hardworking, um, empathetic, quite caring, and they tend to have all the qualities that would make someone a good friend. So that's what I found, um, that really helped me at university was just volunteering. Um, and it's great for development generally as well, both personally and professionally. So, um, and the good thing about volunteering is that, well, at least in the UK, it shouldn't actually cost you anything to volunteer. You should never be out of pocket if you're a volunteer. So, um, yeah, it's a great way to give back to the community and also to grow and to be within a community of, you know, like-minded people, people who share the same values as you do. Yeah. I think volunteering is a great way to meet women, especially because women are more likely than men to volunteer. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelmingly often a lot of like voluntary organizations are overwhelmingly staffed by women. Yeah, as well. Um, like really cool women, really based women, and also what I liked about volunteering is that I would meet women across all ages as well. So women, yes. like mm. based women in their sixties and seventies or young teenagers, like you just meet all of them, and it was just it was great. That's so true. Actually, you meet older women who are like your your elders your who offer you guidance and then you meet younger women and then you can be their elder or their offer them guidance it's so great yeah it's great it's great um so that was where i would meet people that was my primary like way of meeting people mm -hmm. was volunteering awesome how about you lilith <laughs> well my favorite way of meeting people has probably been toastmasters toastmasters is a international organization for improving people's uh, public speaking. People often say that the two scariest things are death and public speaking, right? So Toastmasters helps mm. you get over that mm. fear of public speaking, right? So when I was a, you know, my parents didn't really socialize me super well when I was a teenager. So I had to force myself to learn those social skills, you know, in first and second and third year university, I got involved in Toastmasters. And it was such a great way of improving your speaking skills and also just meeting high quality people like the people who join Toastmasters are usually very ambitious. They have career goals. They want to, you know, in fact, not just Toastmasters, I'd say any uh, activity that's geared towards self-improvement is going to attract a lot of high value people. And one of my closest friends actually that I've known for years, uh, I met at Toastmasters. And so, if, and, and also the people at Toastmasters are super nice like they're <laughs> that's the thing you join a club and everyone is just like instantly wants to be your friend it's such a great environment for meeting new people yeah so this isn't an ad for toastmasters or anything like that but you know they they exist in 143 countries and there's like over 16,000 um clubs all over the world so you know unless you're in like a rural area out in the middle of nowhere chances are there's probably a club near you so like just honestly, like go go online, look up the nearest Toastmasters club near you, and and join because that's probably the best thing that I've ever done for my social life, honestly. So I, I think that's a really good point that finding an organization that's focused on self help, self improvement, you're more likely to find people who are able to uh, take a introspective view of themselves, and people are more positive, right? Like 
Because you're all mm-hmm. learning together, right? It's all, yeah. it's a, it's an environment where failure is comfortable. Yeah. Like everyone is so nice and so welcoming. I've, I've honestly never met like a toxic or shitty person from Toastmasters. It's still, like <laughs> everyone there is so wholesome. I love it. So yeah, if you want to meet nice people, I would say in my personal experience, I've met like dozens of great people and some of them are still my closest friends. So yeah, highly recommend Toastmasters. Nice. How about you, Ray? My tips for meeting people. So I actually, for a long time, had a job where I would travel. So I had to kind of perfect the art of meeting people um, and short notice and like having something to do. So I found that the best way to meet people is through activity-focused uh, events. So mm-hmm. most places will have some kind of local fun run. Um, a lot of times the Nike store or Foot Locker or any type of um, any type of athletic store will generally have posted social events that you can attend. So they'll, they'll say, oh, we do a fun run every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. And so that's a great way to just go and meet people. Um, also, if there's a professional organization that you belong to because you're in a professional, you can just figure out what, what's going on in that local chapter um, and be involved in that. Um, there's also gym classes. Yeah, I find the gym is hard. Hard. It's like the highest level. Not the highest. It's a higher level difficulty for meeting people. Yeah. If, if you're going just to work out, I'm, I'm talking about specifically if you go to do classes. So oh, yeah, yeah. if you are doing, yeah, if you're doing like a, a spinning class every Sunday at six, you know, True, then... Yeah. Y- then you're more likely to meet people. But that's, again, it's, it comes down to consistency. And Go to your local kickboxing or Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, place. That's how you're going to meet badass bitches. This, I think, falls under the group activity focused on self-improvement. So yeah. this is another environment where failure is expected. And also you have, and you know, you're, you're meeting people who are focused on improving themselves in some way. Um, mm-hmm. The other way to do this is following people on social media um, who have shared interests. There's, there's ways to connect on Facebook. Facebook has public events. If you have a particular thing you like, um, you can often just kind of start uh, recognizing certain names and faces if you just comment a lot. Um, so if you're a person that doesn't necessarily like to just go to a new place where you don't know anybody, a baby step is to be on social media enough um, and then cultivating certain interests to talk to people. That is a really good point, actually, um, because I used to be like super into wrestling, like WWE, and I met a lot of people online who are still like my closest friends because we eventually met in real life through that community. I'm crying. Really? You were into WWE? <laughs> I never knew that Savannah was yeah. into WWE. <laughs> I was into WWE, like, my sister got me, like, for my 16th birthday, she got me, like, front row seats to watch when I came to England. It was, like, the best day of my life. I'm dying. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the concept of WWE is so weird to me. I was fully into WWE. (laughs) It's so, (laughs) it's clearly, like, acting, right? I don't know, it's just, like, wild. It's got, like, storylines and everything and, like, characters. It's like, I don't know. Yeah, it's just a soap opera for men. It's like a telenovela for men. Yeah. It's it's like modern-day, like, gladiator fights. I don't know. It is super physical at the same time as well. Like, I, I couldn't, like, be body slamming people 300 days of the year and, like, that will, that will fuck you up <laughs> physically. So, but yeah, that was how I also met some friends through WWE. That's, that's hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah, no, that is funny. <laughs> <laughs> like Savannah's out here clotheslining people. <laughs> Spray time. Surprising but delightful. Did you practice the moves on your friends? I mean, my brother would practice on me sometimes, but I wouldn't practice on 
my friends. Wait, what? <laughs> like practice, practice WWE moves on your friends. Oh, it's so much fun. It is. If you just have to be safe though, because yeah, but it was so much fun. But boys, especially, I think it's a lie that they're not influenced by violence on TV because every single boy I've ever met, like WWE had a chokehold on them at some point in life where they, all they wanted to do was like clothesline each other and do like, <laughs> or like give you like the tombstone pile driver or like the last ride or whatever finishing move it was. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, social media. <laughs> uh, another way to meet people um, is if you work in the service industry, the easiest time for me to make friends was when I worked in the service industry for two reasons. One, because there's always people starting and quitting. So if you work retail, if you work in bars, you work in clubs, you work in waitstaff, there's always new people to meet. And obviously there's always new customers, et cetera, that come in and you can uh, work on your social skills and talking to people that way. The other benefit is that usually that workforce tends to be young-ish so more than likely, if you're a person under 35 or so, like you're going to, it's a place where there's a lot of people of the same age versus some other professions where there's a lot of people of disparate ages. So you might not have as many people who are interested in going out, um, working in that environment. Um, you're probably going to find people who have active lives. And so it's easier to work with them. Um, if you don't have a reason to work in the service industry and you want to, you can always pick up like retail shifts during the holidays. Mm. That's a way to meet people. I think that's my contribution here. So yeah, those are Rose tips to meet new people. Okay, so you're now at your chosen destination. How would you suggest breaking the ice? Right, so straight up, since joining FTS, the way that I like to meet or identify based queens in real life is if I'm in a group of women, I'll just straight up say an FDSism and then make friends with any woman who responds positively to that. Yeah, I do. I do. I do find women absolutely love the word screw. I'll say it out in the world and they'll just think it's the best word they've ever heard. Yeah. They're like, I love that word. I just say, yeah, he's exactly like a screw. And they just love it. If a woman's talking about like, oh, you know, I went on a date and he ghosted me, I'd be like, sis, if he wanted to, he would. Like, <laughs> or, uh, Dick is abundant and low value. That's another one. Dick is abundant and low value. Yeah. yeah. So if I'm talking, again, I only say this to a group of women. If there's men present, I, I'm more like aloof or I, I don't know. I'm more guarded. But when I'm in a group of women, that's when I will just let the FDS, FDS-isms slip out. And most women actually love it, even if they're sort of pick me. Like, you know, they don't see that. <laughs> if they don't sometimes they'll be a pygmy and they don't realize i'm making fun of them um but a lot of times they'll hear that phrase and think like yeah you're right and then you know women honestly i find if you meet based queens in real life and you're honest about the fact that you're a based queen they'll just be naturally drawn to you right yeah yeah agreed Okay. And then any, and also it's a good vetting strategy because there's, I've had to, sometimes I've tried this and then every now and then there's like, there's always one woman who's like, well, not all men are like that and like blah, blah, blah. And like if the, if she says some pick me ass shit, that's how you know not to be friends with her. Straight up. Block and delete. Block and delete. How about you, Ray? How do you break the ice? So one of the conversations we had before we started recording was trying to discern why some people are having trouble making friends because as an extrovert, my go-to is just to go up and talk to people. 
So we, so when we were talking about like how to create some breaking the ice tips to me and for a lot of people who are extroverted, it seems pretty second nature that like, well, just go up to talk to people because if you're an extroverted person, that's just sort of a natural drive that you have. You seem you're naturally interested in people and you don't feel drained by those social interactions. So I think in the break the ice tips, um, we're going to focus a little bit more on how to have a conversation if you're an introvert or a person who's not comfortable with cold approaching in the same way extroverts often are. So I'm an extroverted person and my biggest hurdle was actually not dominating conversations. So for me, I would just basically just go up to people and talk to them. And it's not a thing that intimidates me at all. So I guess it depends on the venue in which you meet them. So if you're meeting them at an event or at a class, then just go ahead and talk to them, right? Like just, just go up and say, mm-hmm. Hey, how's, Hey, how's everything going? Especially if you're seeing them repeatedly, repeatedly, you can just say hello and then, um, maybe talk about a, uh, a shared interest. So what you're saying though, for an introvert, they're going to be like, Oh, just go up and talk to people. They're like, bitch, <laughs> that's what I struggle with. Right. <laughs> My advice to introverts as as an extrovert is if you're an introvert, go find where the nicest looking extrovert is hanging out and then just go join that conversation because an evolved extrovert, a person who's not as uh, interested in just dominating the conversation to do it will often uh, include you, meaning like they'll come over or they'll, they'll at least stop to talk to recognize that you joined the circle and say, hey, how are you? Um, you can figure out what they're talking about. Sometimes uh, a side conversation might uh, break out between the between people and the group that the extrovert has cultivated. So I would just look at extroverts as social lubricant if you're an introvert, meaning if you're an introvert and you just have a very hard time doing cold approaches, wait for the extroverts to do it. And then just kind of, you know, slowly saunter your way over and join whatever circle they're having and just say hello, right? So generally an extrovert, you'll know them because there'll be like five people standing around them, just like having a conversation. You can just go talk to the person next to them and have a side conversation. And that's a way for you to talk to people without you having to make the uh, initial contact, just kind of sneak in there. <laughs> that's actually, yeah. okay, That that's actually so true. I've been on both sides of that where I've been both the extrovert and the introvert or, or either the extrovert or the introvert in that situation, but finding an extrovert, making friends with them, and then they will share all of your, they, if you're an introvert and you want to make friends, find an extrovert and they will share all of their friends with you. It's just, it's, it's easy. Like, (laughs) and I've shared my friends with people who are introverted too. I'm going to caveat this one as well, though. Like, I think it goes back to what, like, Rose said. They need to be an evolved extrovert because otherwise what's going to happen is um, if you're an introvert, you're just going to get drowned out by the conversation. Mm. As an introvert who can sometimes be quite intimidated by just going up to people, um, like, what's been successful for me is, like, non-verbal communication, so your body language. Just having open body language, like, giving someone a huge smile, that can that can prompt people to come up and want to talk to you so if you don't feel you know for example confident in approaching um uh, the extrovert because in all honesty like sometimes even if somebody is friendly as an extrovert they can also come across as quite intimidating if they're talking a lot and this isn't anything the extrovert is doing but when you see someone who's quite talkative and who is like clearly can like hold or like dominate a conversation it can be quite I guess intimidating to try and like go into that into that space and to try and contribute as an introvert. So even just giving someone a massive smile um, 
it can make a massive difference. You know, I've had people come over and talk to me once I've just given them a smile. Um, and they think that I'm really confident, but I'm not. I'm just sort of like faking it till I make it sort of thing. I guess I should throw some suggested boundaries around for extroverts. Um, because like Savannah said, extroverts can sometimes really, really dominate a conversation and inadvertently turn people off and not know it. So I think if you're an extrovert, part of breaking the ice is not just going up and cold approaching people and then launching into a monologue. Unless you're uniquely funny, meaning like you could hold the room like an experienced comedian. Some people are like that, but a lot of people think they're like that when they're not. And so they're just talking and then everyone's looking around uncomfortably like, um, when's this guy going to shut the fuck up? (laughs) (laughs) But nobody wants to jump in and do anything else because then they don't want the spotlight on them. So then the extrovert just becomes like a focus of scorn of everyone's annoyance. But at the same time, it's a focused activity for everyone to do. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's the caveat for extroverts is to make sure that you are actively including other people as part of your icebreaker so it's not just you dominating the conversation annoying everybody and then trying to figure out why don't people want to hang out with me later right so (laughs) 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 so not that I know that from experience or anything mix to be like a mix of an introvert and an extrovert i find introverts are very good about asking like introverts are often very good listeners extroverts are very bad listeners usually but extroverts are very good at breaking the ice and introverts are generally bad at breaking the ice so whether you're introverted or extroverted like i don't think there's one you know people tend to think of extroverts as like the ideal and introverts as something like there's wrong with there's something wrong with them, but both have their strengths, both have their weaknesses. And it's something that you're going to have to work on, on as an individual. We need each other to teach each other. Yeah, exactly. We, we both, both introverts and extroverts have something to learn from the, from each other. Yes. In, introverts unite. There's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's okay to be an introvert. <laughs> Is this like some like weird therapy session where Lynn like, it's okay to be you. <laughs> And extroverts, it's okay to be less you. You can be less you sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Introverts, it's okay to be yourself. Extroverts, stop being yourself. Okay. <laughs> be you, but just be a little bit less. <laughs> so other people can be them too. Or just be consistent. Because that's that's one thing that drives me crazy when I'm talking to someone. And like I had an experience like this a few weeks ago where a friend of mine invited her scrote guy that she was seeing to a brunch session and the whole time he was just talking about himself he didn't ask me a single question like I was asking him questions and he was talking about himself and then he never stopped to ask any of us any questions and at afterwards I afterwards I you know in the the four-part strategy thing where I'm talking about um you know, how, how to get your girl to break up with a shitty man. After that, I was like, yeah, it's really weird when a guy, you know, talks about himself and like, doesn't ask you any questions about yourself. Like, isn't that weird? And she, <laughs> and that's what she's like, yeah, that is kind of weird. Actually. She stopped seeing him after that. So victory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's another success story of my four part strategy. As much as some people don't like the strategy, it fucking works. Okay. So let's say you've met a person at an event either a one-time thing or uh, you've consistently talked to them over, you know, a number of weeks and you want to make the leap from just a casual acquaintance that you know to them actually 
actually being a friend. What are some tips to facilitate that process and follow up with that person to start to hang out outside of an already structured meeting place? I would say I want to start off by saying that I personally do struggle when with one-off events. I, I have met people at one-off events a few times, but I do think it's like a higher level of difficulty when you're making friendships. So I think personally, I like repeating activities. So things like Toastmasters or what Savannah suggested with volunteering. It's something you do every week on a regular basis. And when you see someone on a regular basis, it's, you know, think about the friends you made at school or the friends you made at work and so on. It's a lot easier to make friends with people you see frequently and to keep in touch with them. Even if you stop going to school or you stop working with them, just the fact that you already have that uh, consistency in, in the back in, in the past is what makes it easier to stay in touch. Um, so be mindful that like with one-off events, it mu- might be more challenging, but you can still meet amazing high quality people at, at one-off events. So it's still worth doing. It's just maybe a little bit more effort and maybe a little bit more, um, you know, you might feel awkward or like, Oh, what if they think I'm weird or, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So, but it's something you just gotta push through and just do it anyways, <laughs> push through the dis- discomfort. You can just slide into the DMs like I did with <laughs> You slid in his DMs? Wait, 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 wait. Slide in the DMs. <laughs> I miss this. <laughs> Savannah's all up in people's DMs. Mm. Sl- Savannah sliding into the DMs. Ooh. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna dissect that at another day. <laughs> yeah. At another time. Honestly, though, it's, I, I do want to say just like a one-on-one with like as a semi-introvert, you you might have a lot of self-conscious feelings like, oh, what if they think I'm weird? What if, you know, um, you know, it's it's uncomfortable sometimes to put yourself out there. But you almost got to be like the extrovert and just be like shameless. Just, <laughs> just do it. Most people, if you approach them, they will actually be happy to be approached. Like they're not having those thoughts in your head, those self-critical thoughts. You know, people are tend to be their own harshest critics, right? So they're not thinking about you like you think about yourself. If you approach someone, most of the time they'll be like, they'll be happy that someone approached them, right? They're just as excited as you are to meet a new friend, right? Yeah. Yeah. When you do finally meet someone and you want them to be not just an acquaintance, you want them to be an actual friend, it does take a consistent effort to keep in touch with them. And that's another maybe sort of area of of improvement for me, something that I'm consciously working on is that... Sometimes I'll just like, someone will text me and I'll just like either forget to text them back or, you know, if I haven't talked to someone in a long time and I'm meaning to talk to them, sometimes I procrastinate. Um, So if you want to make new friends, it's not going to, people aren't just going to fall in your lap, right? It's not just going to happen unless you make it happen. And so that's why it's important to actually put in the work, just like with relationships, like romantic relationships, you, um, you have to make an effort to maintain it. And keep in touch. Yes, exactly. Okay, so my tips for how to follow up if you want to make a friend uh, is, first of all, during the conversation, and this is something I think extroverts do pretty well, you kind of got to do a little bit of recon um, and fish for a little <laughs> bit of info. And, 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 and this is just part of getting to know people, right? In sales, we call that the discovery process. But yeah. <laughs> right. So if you're an evolved extrovert and you're just not using it as an opportunity to monologue and you're actually having positive interaction with people, um, you, you start to break the ice by bridging different topics to see if there's any type of mutual interest, right? You can just start to 
fish for, in- for info and just try to figure out where their interests lie. You can bring up the fact that, hey, there's a food festival going on in a couple of weeks. Um, and then see if that piques their interest. And if that piques their interest, then you can suggest going together. Like, hey, are you guys going to go together? Hey, uh, do you have something to go with? Hey, what time are you guys going to go? The idea is to kind of have some working knowledge of what's going on in your city so that when you're talking to new people, you have a low investment way to get them to hang out with you outside of the venue you met them in. And that also provides an opportunity for you to actually plan and meet up somewhere else, right? Um, Another great way to do this is if you have like a mutual TV show that you guys like to watch. I find talking to people over TV shows is such a good way of making friends. Like fandom culture is, if you're into any kind of like TV show or anything, there's going to be people out there who are also really into that thing and equally as obsessive as you are. Yeah, like WWE. (laughs) (laughs) Right, and that's also... That's also a public event, though. So that's uh, that's actually two birds with one stone because you can either watch it at home or you can buy tickets and go see it together. And you can meet people, yeah, at events, which is what I did. So a few weeks ago, true story, okay, I, I know I said that one-off events are, are hard, but this was like a serendipitous, like, magical moment. So a few weeks ago, I was on a date and the guy asked me about my favorite TV shows. And I started talking about this TV show I'm obsessed with called Magnificent Century. And I was talking about this show and then this lady at the table next to me was like, oh my gosh, you watch Magnificent Century 2? Like, it's this Turkish Turkish TV show. So it's, it's like kind of like Game of Thrones, but set in the Ottoman Empire. So it's not something that, you know, I guess in the a Western audience would normally be watching. But anyway, so she was at the table next to me, this lady, and she's like, oh my gosh, you watch Magnificent Century 2? And I was like, no way. And we both were like, ah, and like both <laughs> talked about, we both, and so we've just been texting. We ended up hanging out later that night. Like I left my date to hang out with this chick. And I'm not talking to that guy anymore, but I'm still friends with that girl, right? So I find talking about TV shows, especially if you're really obsessed with something and the other person's also obsessed with something, like it's magic. Like you'll become the best of friends. Yeah. So for people that have to make friends in a short period of time, um, where you're doing in a one-off event, having a, a working knowledge of what's going on in the city is always a great way to create a scenario in which you would see this person outside of your normal meeting place. Because I've gone to cities and I've been like, hey, I'm in town for a little bit. What's going on? Right. And so just asking people like, hey, what's going on out here? And seeing if they they have any type of suggestion and then saying like, hey, are, are you going to this? Are you doing something? Like just get in the habit of actually asking people what they're into and where they're going and then not being afraid to ask like, do you mind if I join you or do you want to meet, meet there, et cetera. Um, the other one was sliding in the DMs, right? <laughs> Savannah's strategy. <laughs> sliding in them DMs. I just think like the cold approach is a bit creepy. But after you've been to like an event with somebody and you've built a good rapport, there's nothing wrong with going into the little DMs route, like doing a little slide tackle to the DMs. Follow up. Just a little follow up, sliding in the DMs. Just send out a quick message. Just, you know, make friends with them. Just talking to them. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to. <laughs> Sorry, Rose. So if you had a, no, no, it's funny. So if you had a mutual interest in something, then the easiest way to slide in them DMs is to be like, "Oh, hey, I found this article on this topic." Yeah, sharing something with sharing memes with them—that's another way I make friends. Yeah, I can. Yeah, if I can say honestly that the DMs uh, tactic is—I've had great success with it. 
So that's just Savannah flexing. <laughs> I've had great success with the sliding in the DM strategy. Flexing them introvert introvert tactics. That's not even a weird flex. That's like that's good flex. Okay. <laughs> so one last idea that we wanted to talk about while we're on the subject of meeting people over shared interests is what is it like? What's the dynamic like when you meet someone, when you love something versus when you hate something? This goes back to our idea of always presenting, you know, your most evolved and authentic self. Um, Because you can meet people in places that are more positively focused. And I think most of the things that we discussed were positively focused, but you can also meet people in places that are more negatively focused. And what I mean by that is like, if you're politically active and you're you know, you're being active against some kind of perceived injustice. I know there's a lot of people that are very, very involved in uh, volunteering for different types of campaigns, um, doing uh, like social justice related type stuff, social justice related type things. And um, those are always really great. I mean, I think it's really great to be active in your community, but I think always like finding, um, I actually have found when I've been involved in groups like that, it's been harder to find um, like a positive balance to those friendships. Um, So if Mm. you do meet people in those kinds of contexts, um, where you're focused on like some kind of social change or a, a topic you're passionate about that can sometimes be very heavy or negative. And, and sometimes, you know, same thing when you're volunteering, actually, if you're volunteering, say, at like a battered women's shelter, um, which I've done on occasion, it can be really, really, really taxing. It's emotionally like a lot. Yeah, it's emotionally a lot. It can be emotionally taxing. And then if you're not careful, you can bring that dynamic outside of the focus. You can bring that dynamic outside of the actual volunteering space. And then that becomes like the basis of your friendship, which isn't always like fun and can feel a little bit draining. Um, but actually, I was reading an article quite recently, actually, on how, um, and I'll drop this in the episode notes as well, but it was like the right kind of stress can bond your team together. And the idea is that um, a certain type of stress can actually potentially bond people together for life if the team approach it together and through the right lens as well. So um, it's part of the reason why, um, I'm not sure if you have this in the US or Canada, but here, like team building activities are often things like, uh, for example, like like kayaking or... Trust falls. <laughs> or, like, <laughs> or like orienteering or something that can be can be quite stressful um, because there is there is some evidence to support the fact that actually um, a certain amount of stress can actually bond people together in a really positive way. Um, and I've noticed this with my work colleagues as well. We've been working on um, a certain social justice course for some time. And even though um, it can be quite um like demoralizing at times like trying to um you know it feels like we're trying to bail water out of the atlantic but it's actually made us really close as a group of colleagues um in other ways as well that's like beyond the scope of the project it's just like this it's just like this fds podcast can be stressful but that's how we've all bonded and to be fair with FDS, like we've made an effort to make sure that it doesn't become, it doesn't devolve into just constant toxic negativity with men. And I think that's just the caveat that we're trying to stress is that when you're dealing, if you're in a group for which the focal point can sometimes be anti something or it can be, or the subject matter that you're dealing with is heavy um, and can be at times depressing, is you'll have to do a little bit more work to flip those friendships to be more well-rounded. So it's not just like you sitting around uh, 
being in this heavy energy all the time or like this energy where you're always focused on a really depressing problem that probably is going to take years, if not decades, if not centuries to solve. Um, so um, finding that balance is making sure that when you're um, talking to people that it's not just focused on the cause, really take an interest in the things that they're interested outside of the um, yeah the cause that you're focused on. And then uh, make sure that you meet them in venues that are completely unrelated so that you guys have opportunities to bond with each other as people and not just around a specific social cause. I've, I've experienced a similar phenomenon as like the team building stress that Savannah talked about. I've experienced that in various like working environments. Um, I don't want to say what my actual job is, but having worked in uh, like high pressure, fast paced working environments in the past, I find some workplaces can be really toxic and I don't stay there for long. It's just like, you know what I mean? Like it can just be really toxic. There's like all these fucking psychopaths fighting each other out, duking it out, trying to, it's like game of Thrones shit. Mm -hmm. And then um, there's other environments where there's almost this sense of, like, oh, as a team, we vanquished this, you know, this problem kind of thing, right? So, you know, rather than me, like, wow, fuck these fucking customers, <laughs> fuck these clients, <laughs> all assholes. I hate these people. It's like, yeah, we we got over this rush together, you know, kind of thing, right? So, um, yeah, be my. Sometimes the energy is already there, and sometimes you can create that energy. But yeah, it's a really case, I'd say it's a case by case scenario that you have to assess for yourself. Yeah. So that's the caveat of making work friends is that if you're in an environment that's very heavily competitive, it can be harder to make friends in that kind of environment because people don't trust you, right? It doesn't lend itself to having Mm. um, a trust environment, which is required to make friendship. So I think what Lilith said is similar to the point we just made about making friends in an environment that's focused on a cause. Same thing applies when you meet people at work, that sometimes if the work environment is negative, then that negativity will be brought into the relationship. Um, and then work adds the an additional element that it may be competitive, in which case you may not know if you can trust the people on your team um, to have your best interests at heart and makes it a little bit more uh, difficult. So be aware of those things when you're trying to make friends in the work environment. Um, but like like Lilla said, these toxic environments a lot of times aren't worth it. So sometimes it's better to just go to another company if you can, where it's less competitive and there's more of a team building atmosphere. And it, mm-hmm. you'll find yourself making better quality friends and having a better quality of life overall. Yeah, that's how you avoid toxic people who, like, stab you in the back. It's just, like, <laughs> don't make friends with competitive, crazy, stab-you-in-the-back people <laughs> in environments that that uh, incentivize that behavior. But, um... um so that's, that's just the drawbacks of um, dealing with people is that you have some people that are pretty friendly, more or less just interested in connecting with people on shared interests, and then you have people that are... Uh, they're always working a room. They always have an angle... There's always some kind of politics involved. And so I think we want to focus on building authentic friendships and as much as possible weeding out uh, people who are who see you as like a pawn in their game, whatever they're playing. Because um, you don't want to know with toxic friendships like I, like I described in our um, How to Level Up Your Pick Me Friends. Um, and often... And often that's kind of how it starts, right? You're, you make friends with someone you think you're having an authentic connection with only to find out like this is a person who can't have authentic connections with people because they're wrapped up in something else. A lot of times a man, um, but sometimes it can be work environment. So I find that making new friends is a lot like gardening in that it's not just about what you're actually growing, but it's also about 
what you take away through pruning or weeding, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So going out into any environment, there's going to be some amazing high value people. Those are the ones you want to connect with, obviously. Um, When you spot red flags, those are people that you need to prune or weed out of your life in order for you to have a a friendship circle that's like a beautiful garden. Um, Yeah. And to continue with that, everybody doesn't have to be everything to you. Yeah. I think sometimes we are looking for, we're looking for a person who we can call our BFF and then, you know, post same outfits on Instagram and like, and try to uh, present an image like you're these inseparable BFFs. And, um, Having acquaintances as friends is just as valuable as having a singular person who you feel like you can tell and do everything with. Um, mm. I've, I mean, and just understand that people have limitations and that, you know, you can't necessarily expect one person to be everything to you all the time. So I have certain friends who um, we might have a shared interest in one thing, but they may not understand anything else about certain other aspects of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and so understanding that will also help you um, create a more diverse friend group if you just sort of learn how to slot people in mm. your life based on their ability to invest in you and their ability and their actual overall interest. I almost feel like the saying it takes a village to raise was it a child? It I think it should be it takes a village to raise a person because it's absolutely true. Or just, like or just have, have a, village. a village around you. Yeah. I think you know? that that is that's so important. Especially when it comes to more intimate topics. Like I have some friends who I would maybe talk about my sex life with, but they wouldn't understand anything about my profession, right? And then vice versa. (laughs) Yeah, it's okay to have different friends. Like I have like a hiking friend. I have like a TV show obsessed friend. I have, you know, my travel friend. Like, you know, you can have different friends for different like, you know, parts of your life, right? You know, it's an, life isn't like a, you know, Hollywood movie where it's like four lifelong female friends, you know, they've known each other since kindergarten and share everything with each other, go on a road trip together. You know, sometimes it's like, I don't know, like, it's not as always as glamorous as that, the process of making friends in real life, but it's totally worth it. And I find actually better <laughs> compartmentalizing your social life compartmentalizing your social life and having good boundaries. So sometimes you might meet a person who you like, but you're like, "Mm, this person I don't necessarily trust with the more intimate parts of myself. And it Mm. might not be, it might not be like a, a, a person that you need to completely cut off because they're a total horrible person or anything like that. But maybe they're just like a loud mouth, right? Like there's plenty of really nice, but loud mouth people. <laughs> so yeah. in that case, you just draw boundaries <laughs> with them. It doesn't mean like, oh, I can't be like nice with this loud mouth person. It just means like, okay, there's certain things I wouldn't share with this particular person. And just understanding uh, what you need out of a relationship in relation to what that person can actually uh, give you is important. And that'll help you. That'll help you know when to prune and how to prune when you need to prune your friendships. Yes. So those are some tips on where to meet people, how to break the ice, and then how to follow up with them to continue the friendship relationship, as well as some caveats on when you meet people in, involved in a social cause or meet people at work. So that's our show. Please check out our website at thefemaledatingstrategy.com, as well as our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash thefemaledatingstrategy where we have weekly bonus content. And this week we dropped an episode on the kids guide to roasting. So if you want to if you want to learn how to roast like an FDSer, check out that check out that episode or a child/FDSer because they have some wicked tips. 
I think we even picked up a few tips. I think we picked up a few tips from that. So yeah, check it out. And also you can interact with us on our newly added Discord server. So if you're at the queen or the level up tier, you can chat with us. We're getting some we're getting into some pretty interesting discussions there. A lot of people have a lot of input on future topic suggestions for the show, as well as additional information on some of the things we address in the episode. So if you want to chit chat with us, please sign up for one of those tiers. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at femdatstrat. And each of us now has our own Twitter page as well. So it's just our names underscore FDS. So row underscore FDS, Savannah underscore FDS, Lilith underscore FDS. Lilith one. Lilith one. Lilith one underscore FDS. Yeah. Right. I forgot about Lilith that. Is the, it's a statement. Lilith one. Noun, verb. <laughs> it is a fact. <laughs> right. Underscore FDS. Thanks for listening, Queens. And for all you scrotes out there to quote, WWE superstar Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Shut up, bitch! Die mad. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. Bye. 